hey weeds listeners uh you know if, if you read the vox website you know that we take culture seriously whether we're talking about books movies tv music we want to understand how cultural touchstones work and what they reveal about who we are you know in, in today's society and that's why i'm really excited to introduce to you switched on pop this is a podcast that digs into musical theory and cultural context of pop music and sound part of the vox media podcast network uh so in this special bonus episode it's, it's a little bit of a short one just to sort of introduce you to the series give you a flavor of it you're going to meet hosts nate Sloan and Charlie Harding. You're going to hear some of their favorite interviews as they pull back the curtain on how pop hits work their magic. And if you like what you hear, you should subscribe or just tap the link in the show notes. I have had Camila Cabello's Havana stuck in my head. I mean, I'm just going to go right to the chorus here. Half of her heart is in Havana. Na na na. He took me back to East Atlanta. Na 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 na. Oh, but my heart is in Havana. Uh-huh. Oh, na na na. Exactly. Did I do it? Did I nail it? Okay, good. That was a little stressful. I felt like I was in class again. <laughs> On the surface, one could say, well, you know, Camilla, she's from Havana. Her guest star, Young Thug, is from East Atlanta. All right, the player set the stage. Done. Simple. Thesis complete. Do you think I'm satisfied? No, I think there's more to unpack here. So what do you think? Do we start in Atlanta or Havana? Where, where do we begin? In order to get to East Atlanta, we have to travel back in time to the 1980s all the way over to Japan. Oh, that was surprising. Okay, great. What are we doing here? Well, what we're doing in Japan is we are listening to the first production model of the TR-808 drum machine. Introducing the world's most advanced rhythm machine, the Roland TR-808. It sounds, in a word, very 80s, right? Very like (laughs) dawn of the drum machine, a little tinny not very sophisticated in a way but wonderful like totally i i love these sounds but they they sound a little like fisher price whoa so sexual healing uses the 808 okay interesting yeah i like what he's doing with it here he's somehow found a way to make these really kind of tinny cheap sounds work in his favorite. So even though Marvin Gaye's track helped make the 808 famous, creating a desire amongst the marketplace, everyone had to get an 808 to make that sound. What's going to happen is in Atlanta, we're going to zoom in on just one element of that drum machine in order to make banging tracks. And it is specifically the kick drum. Because when we listen to that Marvin Gaye track, the kick drum is a little... uh, it's a little weak. Oh, okay. So you're saying that hip-hop producers kind of rediscovered this instrument and sort of beef up the kick drum and turn it into this iconic sound from zero to hero. They're going to popularize it by giving it some more oomph. I want to take a listen to Outcasts, So Fresh, So Clean, and we're going to hear that they have found a way to get this simple little kick drum to hit harder and to really start to develop this sound. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, now that's like the 808 kick I know and love. Exactly. But we're missing one really important element because 
there's something that happens in the Havana track, which is that East Atlanta sound, which we're not getting yet on Outcast. And if we zero in on the kick drum, what we're going to notice is that the actual sound of it changes pitches on the Havana track. To get a sense of what I'm talking about, we need to listen to the bass-heavy crunk production of Lil Jon <laughs> and his incredibly effective track, Get Low. Now we have that pitched element. And soon this sound takes over. It becomes totally ubiquitous, such that the name of the instrument is actually now just synonymous with the sound of that particular bass kick. But I want to just give you a sense of what it would sound like. What if she didn't have that sort of pitched banging sound, but actually just like the original sexual healing sort of sound? Ah. It's missing something, right? Not quite the same. Yeah, not the same. (laughs) So all of a sudden, okay, let's see what it sounds like if we start to pitch that bass around. Yeah. Okay, we're nearly there, right? Getting a little closer. Yeah, this porridge is like a little too cold, but we'll get there, yeah. Now let's just Lil John it. Let's crank it up. Let's crunk it up. I'm really sorry. That's really just, just terrible. Keep going. Just talk. <laughs> if, if you take that same sound, you compress it, you distort it, you mess with it a little bit, you're going to get a modern 808. And check out Camilla's song with that modern 808 sound. That's the Havana I know and love. So what was once a Japanese toy drum machine derided for its terrible replication of an actual drum set is now the quintessential element to modern hip-hop. And for that matter, pop. That is the 808. So when we hear that on Havana, we are actually hearing this entire reference of musical history going back to the early 80s and really the history of modern hip-hop which that sound was developed right there in East Atlanta. My name is Mike Posner. Mike Posner is in the studio. This whole whole song kind of is not overly lyrical or pedantic or... You know, not like cool words or imagery. It's like, this is just what it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. One of the things with the song about you that stood out for me is listen, the first time I listened through, I went back and I was like, wait, hold on. I got to go find the hook. I was like, wait, okay, I'm like looking for that like big build. Where's that, where, where's that hook happening? And then I was like, oh, it's all a hook. The hook the is whole, all <laughs> around you. <laughs> it's happening all the time. And it was you kind are of in the hook. <laughs> 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 and to me, that is really crystallized in the way you've structured this song in which the chorus and the verses have the exact same melody. (laughs) Yeah. And again, I think it's like, this does a very specific thing. This makes music into something like kind of intense, kind of like religious forms of music making and like folk forms. Mm. Going back to some of the earliest styles you'd hear in America, these would be folk songs imported from like the British Isles. When the green buds, they were swelling. Here, you're getting basically the hook as the verse, just as you're doing in your song. And there's something very hypnotic about it, as, mm. as you pointed hypnotic, out. Hypnotic, I like that. Yeah. Same melody, new words. He sent his servant to the dead. 
Yeah, I was swept away by her voice. Oh I don't think yeah, too much that's about that. Gene, that's Gene Ritchie singing that song. Incredible. Sounds incredible. There is also another factor to this Ooh, working. Oh, yeah. The lyrics have to be good. <laughs> <laughs> and same um, in, uh, in furthermore, if if you had lyrics you really loved that you wanted to highlight, mm. that might be a reason to do this technique. Um, because mm. when you switch a melody, yeah. the listener's ear goes to the melody. Whereas, you know, like the first example you play, when it's just the same melody yeah. over and over, you can, as a listener, you can zero in on the lyrics and hear them. You can't get away with using the same melody and having an uninspired second verse because you're actually going to have <laughs> bored somebody as Correct. opposed to, hey, tune in. Correct. Mm. As we move into pop, um, <laughs> there's another really cool example of this from sort of pop of yore in uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. Yeah. <laughs> town. To the verse and then goes to a chorus and then goes to a verse. And while the lyrics change, the music stays the same. And it's so effective, right? Lizzo, singer, rapper, and host of the podcast Good As Hell, a partnership with Spotify and Refinery29. We are so honored to have you here as your music has been a absolute hit with our listeners. Thanks oh, for joining yay. us. Yeah. Yeah. Ha ha ha, you forgot something. Um flute player. No way, really? Yeah, flute and piccolo. What? Oh. So add that to your your list. <laughs> That's Gosh darn it. <laughs> so you're here to help us deconstruct the brilliant new single Make Me Feel by Janelle Monet. That's just the way you make me feel. That's just the way you make me feel. That's just the way you make me feel. That's just the way Nate likes the synthesizers. Yes. Yes. Shout out to ASMR. Oh, wait, say more. The ASMR chorus. Uh, that's just the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a whisper chorus. I, I'm always a fan. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. She really came through. I didn't make that connection, though. <laughs> Reinforced by the really sort of lo-fi beatboxing in the opening. Just like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, right? Oh, it's so mouthy. Yeah. Right? That. Yeah. You hear that? Yeah. That, like tension. 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 Isn't it so rewarding? Mm. What is that tension doing for us? Like, how do you hear that tension? How does it support the song? It's so funny because, like, tension in a song normally happens in, like, the pre. Yes. And the first verse is supposed to just feel right. Yep. It's supposed to be at what, like, the root is supposed to be, like, at yep. the one. <laughs> one note melody, and you're like, simple. You're like, here yeah. we go. Let me yeah. just, da, 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 da. you know what yep. I mean? And then she's, like, starting, like, and you're like, what's about to happen? Like, that's what it does for me. That melody na, 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 reminds me of a movie. Like you take mm. the track out of it, and if you just hear that melody, like on some violins, it sounds like you know, like oh, cinematic. <laughs> yeah, super cin. Yeah. Like it's a moment in a movie where like the little kid is running and he's running towards something. Like it yes. feels like I don't know, like. Uh, so something in the distance at the start and, and, yeah. I, and i think it's worth saying even for maybe for some of our listeners who may not be as familiar with music it might be helpful to even just to play an example of if you were to open up on a plain major chord 
and then you have a seventh chord, mm-hmm. and that seventh chord, it's unstable. Yeah. And it's the root. As opposed to that, that's beautiful mm-hmm. thing. Unresolved chords were always like mm. my kryptonite. Mm. I remember because when they would play unresolved chords, I'd be like, just resolve it. Just resolve <laughs> well, it. <laughs> and, and she does because that chord wants to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. It wants to go in the progression of a blues. Mm-hmm. A typical 12-bar blues chord progression uses a lot of those seventh notes to have us constantly move through a progression and always have a little bit of instability to create movement. Mm. Mm. Right. So a blues is going to start right on that home chord, that one, and add the seventh and it's going to move through the four, the five, back to the four, and back home to the one seven. That's sort of the blues progression. Lots of sevenths, lots of tension. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing that is happening in the song, there is tension and there is movement. And she fulfills that sort of blues expectation by moving to what would be the next blues chord. She goes from the one chord to the four chord. Right? Oh, it's like doom, 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 doom. Exactly. <laughs> that is so the blues. Isn't, That's so isn't tight. That amazing? And you're not hearing yeah. it. Really broke it down. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 